Life is filled with relationships. Friendships, family, all different kinds of relationships. Now, some will last a lifetime. Some take a lifetime to build and develop. And others come and go and make a life. Now, we are designed for relationships from the very beginning. When God created us, he created us for relationships with him. And we were made for connection, even, even those people that call ourselves introverts. We were made for connections, and we need friendships, and we need relationships. We need different connections, even when we like our own company. Now, in order to understand relationships, we have to go back. And journey with me, we have to go back to the first ones, which are Adam and Eve. And in the Garden of Eden, God created us to relate to him. Now, we were made in the image of God according to his likeness, and that doesn't mean we look like God because we all look so vastly different. But it does mean he created us with attributes like him or personality traits like him, and we were given a spirit like him. God created this way so we could actually connect with him. We are three in one, just like he is three in one. We are mind, body, and spirit. Relationships can be tricky, and if you've lived for a while, you'll know that. Relationships take a lot of work, and especially the ones you want to keep, they need lots and lots of work. If you're married, that takes lots and lots of work. If you <laughs> It's true, I hear you. But they do, they do, they take a lot of work. And just when you think you've got them right, you don't. No, no. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've thought, I've got this figured out. I've got this. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sometimes I wonder if my wife waits for that opportunity. She can sense it and then she shifts. But anyway, that's another story. It's not. I know. Something, yeah, I don't know. We, we're just not allowed to get comfortable, are we? Sometimes there can be so much work that we can think twice in starting one. And I'm not just talking about the romantic kind, I'm talking about different friendships. If you've been hurt a few times, it can be challenging in order to start a new friendship with someone because you're concerned with what happened with the last one. We can be afraid to connect, we can be afraid to build meaningful relationships because there will be a cost and sometimes we're not willing to pay them. But relationships, friendships, connections will develop your life. Without them, it's a very meaningless life. And God created the concept of church, not just a building, but a group of people who come together to connect, to relate with each other. It's why we encourage fellowship, because it's all about relationship. We do life together, and hopefully we do it better than we did yesterday. When I came home on Friday night, I had an appointment, then I had to go get some dinner for the kids, and I come into, there was a mob of women in my house. Very loud. Very loud. I could hear them outside. I contemplated, can I just throw the food and run? I come in and I try and sneak, but it doesn't work. There's always someone who sees. But it's good, it's good that all the women were carrying on and doing what women do, <laughs> talk. It's so much different when you go to a men's thing. 
It's so quiet. We <laughs> when, when we were out at Luke's place, haven't we had a fire and we had some, you know, some meat that cooked on the fire and, and afterwards we just stand around. Uh, yeah, that's right. No words necessary. We're all content. We've got our bellies full. There's a fire. We're warm. We're just making sure Tyron doesn't get too close because his jacket was polyester. We were <laughs> but it was a good time and there were no words shared. But the difference in relationship is so interesting. I know with my wife, I can't have the same relationship. I can't just stand there and go, My relationship with my wife will require words and lots of them. Yes, dear. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. Yes, I know. That's when you lessen the words. I think that's why guys don't speak so much. It's because the words get us in trouble. I saw that video that Marge put up this week. I was like, I know that guy. In Australia, we would, we would um, put you in the same boundaries as, as um, I've forgotten his name now, Jamie, um, John Burke, probably not the best example, but then Jamie, um, who was a guard, Ju- Jamie Jury. Yeah. How famous. Yeah. You can get his autograph afterwards. But I do encourage you to get to know the people in your church because there are some great people. And you never know when you might need them. And it's true. You never know when you need I've We've experienced so many times, times when we've had people in the church who have been distanced from other people, disconnected, and then they go through something and they need help and then people are very reluctant because they don't know people. And people will give more help based upon the more they know you. And you never know when you need them, so it's best just to build the relationship now. Theodore, I can't even say all his name, but Theodore Gelsey. Now, if you don't know who that is, let me give you another name that he's more famous for. That's Dr. Zeus. He said, we are all a little weird. And life's a little weird. And when we find someone whose weirdness is compatible with ours, we join up with them and fall in mutual weirdness and call it love. That's what marriage is. Now, if you look at your spouse, right, she has the same or they have the same level of weirdness as you do, just based upon that quote. Perhaps you're in denial and you don't understand how weird you really are. Darling, I love your weirdness. I don't have any. But one of the most important relationships you will have and you will develop is the one with your partner or your life partner, your spouse, your husband or your wife. Which in many occasions will develop your family. Choosing who you become married to is important. Now marriage isn't a one-off decision, it's a choice you make every single day. I wake up in the morning and I choose Mel. Some days, honestly, it takes a little bit longer to choose Mel. But I choose Mel. I'm just being honest. 
It's not because of her, it's because of me. That's right. What's that? I remember the first time I ever saw her without makeup. And that was an experience. No, it wasn't that you were ugly, darling. I'm going to dig myself a hole, aren't I? No, you just, you just look different. I'm going to move on. I think it's best. Now, the most important thing in our marriage, between Mel and myself, is actually God. God is our glue and he keeps us together. Sometimes I wonder this sometimes. No, I won't say that. I'll stop. Move on. Don't dig a hole. See, I praise God every day that he convinces her to put up with me. In Matthew 19, 4-6 it says, And he answered that and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. When God joins you in marriage, you are joined. And you are to let nothing come between us. See, our love for Jesus draws us closer together. I can't fall out of love with Mel if I'm in love with Jesus. If I prioritize my relationship with God, it is impossible to fall out of love with Mel. I know there have people that have, I've heard say, oh, I love God, but I don't love my wife or my, my husband anymore. They drive me nuts. and That is rubbish. If you're developing your love for God, it will develop your love for your spouse. Because God is love. See, it's our pursuit of God individually that draws us closer. God is love. And to truly love, I need a greater revelation of love, which comes from God because he is love. I cannot give out anything if I cannot receive it first. I can only give out what I have. The closest principle we have in marriage is a covenant relationship. It's what we form with God through Christ. We enter into a covenant with our partner when we marry. We stand before God and witnesses, making promises to each other. We form a covenant relationship through all the things that take place on that day and that, ne- that evening. And the two become one. And we do the same thing with God at salvation. We come before each other and he promises us and gives us all the promises in his word and we declare that we will follow him and through the actions of Christ forms the covenant relationship that we walk into. And all relationships will work when all the members of the benefit, uh, in that relationship work to the benefit of that relationship. When one member withdraws, then it won't work. Marriage makes room for multiplication of the relationship. And if the marriage is weak, children will only reveal the issues. I have met many people who had children trying to hope that their marriage would work, that they hold it together, and it doesn't. A strong relationship will develop fulfilled children. And our children joined our lives, right? 
We didn't become part of their lives. They became part of our lives. And when they leave home, they will be, always be our children, but Mel and I will be left. And if we don't develop our relationship, then when they're gone, there's a good chance there'll be no more. The two biggest time frames that many marriages fail are the seven-year time, which we call the seven-year itch, which is about complacency. And the second one is the empty nesters. A lot of marriages fall apart when children have moved out because the marriage was more about the children than the relationship. But a weird marriage will last. A weird marriage has God at the center, God at the purpose. Children add to the family. They should never be the spotlight. And they should never take it away. Our children will continue our legacy. They will move out and above our platform that we have created. Why? Because we're weird. We value our relationships. We value our relationship. And we spend time and we make time making sure that our relationship is strong. We've explained to our children many a times why it's important for us to spend time together. Why? Because the better we are, the better they are. John C. Maxwell, if you've never heard of him, he's a great author on leadership. He says, The better you are at surrounding yourself with people of high potential, the greater your chance for success. Who we do life with is as important as who we marry. Those who we surround ourselves with become our influences in our lives. Our friends and our family make a huge impact on where we go. The old saying says, He who lies down with dogs will wake up with fleas. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. You stick a piece of rotten fruit next to a piece of good ripe fruit, the good ripe fruit becomes rotten. Not the other way around. But who you do life with is important. The question we should be asking ourselves is, do they corrupt us or are we influencing them? Now I'm not against people having relationships or friendships or connections with people because you've got to have those sort of relationships with people who aren't necessarily in the same belief system or the same value system. But the question needs to be asked is, are they corrupting me or am I influencing them? Because if they're corrupting me, sooner or later I will become like them. I will value what they value. And the amount of times that I have seen people go through life and they're doing really well and all of a sudden they make a bad friend. We've all seen it in our kids, right? All of a sudden your kid comes home from school and they're acting up and you're like, what is going on? The simplest thing, who's your friend? Who have you been making? Oh, there was this new kid at school. Ah, tell me more. Who we hang around with makes a huge impact on who we become. That's why we have the church. It's not just so it becomes your sole relationships or connection points. It's so it becomes a connection point. So we can do life together, encouraging each other, lifting up, calling out those areas that need to be corrected. You know, when you see someone, you go, ah, buddy, you should be doing better in that area. Loving each other, doing life together, helping each other. You know, when someone needs help, what do we do? Oh, you're going through a hard time? Can we do something? 
Right, you've just had a baby. How about we organize some meals for you? You've been sick. Let's get some meals for you. Just a little bit of helping hand. Right? It's so we can do life together. It's so we can encourage each other, stand with each other. And when you're going through a hard time, we can stand with you. We can stand in prayer. That's why we invite people down the front to pray. It doesn't mean, oh, I don't want to go down the front because people will know something's going on. It's so we can stand with you. Let us know. The amount of times, we were talking about this at Maximize on Wednesday, the amount of times, like it's so much easier to go through a challenging experience when you know people are in your corner, when people are praying for you, at the very least. See, society has this way of training us to think that perfection is the target and nothing else will do. It's why there are so many filters on your cameras, Right? And sometimes we don't want to connect with someone or have a relationship with someone simply because we don't want them to see that we're human and have faults. I just want to clarify right now, you have faults because I have faults. We're all humans. And although we fall down, slip down, whatever you want to call it, fall into those faults, make mistakes, sins, it's not about judging each other, it's about helping each other up. And it's about walking through life together. Picking each other back up. But we've been trained by society, right? those who we allow to influence us, to corrupt us, to not reveal those things. So many people that I know put up this charade, put up these masks, pretend like they've got it all together, but you go into their lives and it's just falling to bits. And the problem is, is they go so far and they hide it for so long, and then all of a sudden when it crumbles, it crumbles. And it's so hard to pick back up, especially because they got to a point that their life is in a certain way that they don't even want help. They're so used to not getting help, that getting help is actually problematic. But where there are issues in our lives, where there are faults, If we don't learn to work through them, if we don't learn to expose them, they will always come out. Always. God always gives us a period of grace to work through them, to deal with them. But then all of a sudden, God goes, no, I've got to reveal this. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Proverbs 28, 13. See, God wrote in his word the importance of people in our lives. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking our own assembling together, as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and in all the more, as you see the days drawing near. Meaning, God gives you people around you to encourage you, to stand with you no matter what happens. And I know what it's like, right? These days, church can almost be like a revolving door. People, you come in, they come out, they move on, they change, they do this, whatever, right? That is not scriptural. God doesn't want you to keep moving around churches depending on what day of the week or what the weather is because you can't form lifelong, you can't form strong relationships with people if you only see them once a month. Because sooner or later, you're going to need people. Sooner or later, you're going to need someone to stand with you. And if you don't have those people, you're standing by yourself. 
One of the greatest things that ever happened to us was starting this church. Now, within, what was it, four or five weeks of starting the church, night was it nine? There you go. Well, that's why you need a wife. After nine weeks of starting the church, well, I had my accident. And the only reason why we were able to get through it is because I knew there was a whole bunch of people praying for me, willing to help me, right? And not just us, but the church. That next Sunday, because I had my accident on a Saturday, that next Sunday we did church. Well, I wasn't there. I was waking up in hospital. But my wife was able to make some phone calls, get some people, and everyone pitched in and made it happen. It's just, it's just how it is. Like Life is hard, but it's so much easier when you have people. Sometimes you need someone to lean on. Like We have some really nice people in here. We have some really good people. We've got people from all different areas in this world. right? People from different talents, different giftings, different knowledges and different understandings. If you need help, you, know, you can just ask. It's not that scary. So we've covered our relationships with our spouse and we've covered those who are around us, our friends and our family. Right? But there's another relationship. And this one is probably the most important, if not the most important. John Piper said, God is the most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. The most important relationship in your life is with God. And it should be your center of your purpose. See, you were created to walk with him and everything else cannot fill the void that is within you. I believe so heartily that God actually creates you and then he puts a void in you that only he can fill. And we need to actually seek him out in order to fill it. You can't fill it with anything else in this world. And many people have tried. And they've tried to fill it with everything imaginable and possible and they cannot. Who I hang around and who I marry are support relationships. But God is more. See, God gives me my purpose and God gives me my, uh, my, the plan of my life and God gives me the ability to go through everything else. The people that I bring around me, the people I choose to marry, the well, not the people, but the person I choose to marry and the people I bring in my, are support relationships. We're supposed to move in the same direction for the glory of God. And if I lose everything, I will still have Him. I've said this before, my priorities are really simple, right? Number one, God. God is my first priority. Number two is my wife. Number three is my children. Number four is my work. Number five is my ministry. Four and five are the same, so they go and go inside. That's how I make my priorities, it's how I live. There are times when my wife has to wait. Well, good thing I wake up earlier than she does. And I go spend time with God. I give him my first. And I make sure things are right and order in that relationship. Because if that relationship is right, my relationship with my wife will be fine. And even if we're going through a rocky patch or difficult waters, I know that that will be fine. Luke 10, 27 said, And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Do you notice the difference? 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and you'll love your neighbor as yourself. You get your relationship with God right and everything else will fall into place. And if it doesn't, it won't matter. Life is like a seesaw. You know those things that used to be at playgrounds? Now they're not anymore. You sit on one side and you put another person on the other side, try and balance it out and you jump up and down and... And if you get that balance right, it just sits perfect. But you'll have your ups and downs. But getting the right balance is the key to it. I remember so many times we did, we did seesaws, or you make your own seesaw, you know, plank of wood over a brick, and try and balance it out with lots and lots of people. We had this big one at school back when they weren't banned, right? because they were deemed as dangerous. See, seesaws were great because they acted like two things. One, they were seesaw to play for, and two, they were bike ramp. If you're really clever, you could ride over it and just... Anyway, that's never here nor there. But balance is the key. Putting God first enables us to live more joyful lives with the Lord. Putting God first because He is the solid foundation is the one we build our lives off. My relationship with my wife is better when I build a strong foundation with God. My relationship is better with my wife when I spend with time with God first. We put God first because He is the strong foundation to build our lives upon. Matthew 7, Jesus tells a story about the wise man who built his house on the foundation of the rock and the foolish man who built his foundation upon the sand. And when the storm came, what happened? The house on the sand fell down a life with a strong foundation is more fulfilled it's happier and it's more pleasing to God but it's also safer through the storms of life because there will be storms in your life we put first we've got we put God first in our lives so we can live our lives for him Galatians 5 16 18 says but I say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. But these are the opposition to one another. So that you may not do the things that, uh, please, uh, that you please, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Meaning this, if I walk by the guidance of the spirit of God, I will walk only where he leads me. And I will not lead to the flesh, I will not lead to the desires of the flesh, but I will walk in all that he has for me. And the flesh and the spirit are in contrary contradiction to each other. We put God first so everything else will fit. We put God first that he will direct our path. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. My path is straight when I trust him. My marriage is easier when I trust him. I don't know how many times Mel and I have had a tiff, an argument, and let's be honest, generally over silly stuff. And you walk away from the argument or whatever else and you're sitting there and the amount of times I said, oh God, what on earth is she doing? And God says, what about you? I remember the first time we had an argument when we were married 
And it was over something really stupid. I can't even remember what it was. And I was sitting there and I was like, oh, I didn't add a moment. The woman you gave me, God. And God says, no, I want to talk about you. I want to talk about you. What are you doing? What are you doing to make the problem worse? What are you doing in this situation? See, when you come to God and you, you start talking about what's going on, God will always go back to you and say, what are you doing? He doesn't want to talk to me about my wife. He wants to talk to me about me. And if I get my life in order, if I put things right in my life, well, she gets to experience what God is doing in me. I don't know how many spouses have come to know Jesus just simply because one of them chooses to put things right. Your greatest example of Jesus is your life. It speaks to people. They cannot deny the inner workings of God in your life when he is working. And when we fail to put God first in our lives, it's harder to follow God's direction because he's not our focus. When we focus on something else that's not the right place, we lead to that. You will always walk to that which you look at. Remember when you first started to drive? Maybe you weren't like this. I wasn't. But I know people that are like this. Right? They're driving along and all of a sudden they see something in the corner of their eyes. So they start looking. And what happens? The steering wheel goes where their head goes. Where? You will always move in the direction where you focus on. And if I focus on God, then here's my direction and I will always move towards him. When I focus on everything else or anything else, I lose sight of him and I don't even know where I'm walking. God is our creator who has carved out a purpose in this world for us. And we cannot walk in that purpose unless he is our priority. So make room for him. God is a good God. And there are times when he won't walk in the ways that you want him to. He won't answer you the way he, you want him to because he is moving in such a way that in order to bring you through the storm, not save you from it. I love my wife. But I will love my relationship with God better. And my wife, she, she's cool with that because it's the same thing. She loves God more than she loves me. And that's how marriage works. We're in this triangle. There's me, my wife, and God. And as we both continue on the path, getting closer to God, we actually draw closer together. You want a strong relationship? Seek God. And all the relationships that surround you, your friends and your family, they're supporting you. They're your support relationships. That's what helps you hold in place. They're the ones that bring support when you need them. But the most important relationship is God. Relationships are important. And we are made for relationships. We are made for connections. And sometimes when relationships aren't working out the way we want them to or someone else isn't the same priority as we want them to be, it can be challenging. But you need to understand, if I put my relationship with God right, those will come into a line at a certain point in time. 
God is good all the time because God is just. We're going to clo- we're going to close the meeting a little bit early. There's there's a light lunch just across the the walkway. Don't forget to pick up your kids. Um, or, we'll, or you might see them in fivefold for sale. Um, we're going to have a, a couple of days away, which would be great. Um, from my understanding, we will have signals. So if something happens, you can send us a message. Um, we'll be wrestling bush turkeys or something like that. But how about we all stand together? Because the relationships that are surrounding you right now are important. You don't know when you'll need that person standing next to you. If you can't stand, you don't need to stand. It's all right, Connie. It's easier not to, it's fine. I know God has good plans for you. I know He has lots of promises for you. And I know His promises are yes and amen. And just because sometimes you can't see the purpose in it all, it doesn't mean it's not there. Father, I speak over every person here and I just declare your mighty hand, your protection, your love, your blessings and your favor. Father, I thank you that you are orchestrating, that you are moving, that you are preparing, that you are working even in the shadows where we can't see the fulfillment of your plan and your will. Father, I thank you that you work through us, that you use us, that we are your vessels. And Father, as we move and as we grow and as we develop our relationships with those around us, with our spouse, and even with you, Father, I know that you will fulfill all that you need to. So Father, I speak life into every single person here. I speak an openness. I speak blessings and I speak favor. I speak healing touch on those who are unable to be here. And Father, I speak wisdom. Bless us as we go, Father. Cover us with your protection and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.